4: This is the WEEI Classic Broadcast. Live from Timeout Market with Gresh, Hart, Raycroft, and Milbury on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime.
5: Final hour from timeout market right down the street from Fenway. Getting you ready for the winter classic. Uh, We will get back into uh, Patriots football. Maybe we'll get the Celtics in here at some point. Of course, they played a wonky game with a 40-minute delay as uh, Time Lord broke a rim. Uh, But joining us here on site, he uh, I was going to say he is the – I mentioned earlier the hockey department at WEEI. Yes, and it's really Scott McLaughlin and Bridget. Yes. However, I'm going to say that McLaughlin is the leader of the hockey department here Mm -hmm. at WEEI. What's up, brother? How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you guys?
5: We are great. I mean, the Sunday best, the tie, and everything, huh? Big Biggest day of the year
1: for us hockey guys. going to look good. <laughs>
5: is it really? And, and it's part of the reason uh, I, I react that way is because Hart asked at the end of the, I think heading into the noon hour, like, does the winter classic still resonate? Now, here, it's a little different in part because we've had so many of them. One in Gillette, two in Fenway, now all that. What do you make of still the appeal of the winter
1: classic? Yeah, I think it's maybe faded a little bit from some of the early ones, but it's definitely still there. It's still the highest rate of game every year. You still get all the national attention. Players get excited about it. They you know, they get their throwback baseball unis, their all that stuff. So I think there's definitely still some, some real appeal. And, you know, just speaking for myself, it was like the couple of weeks leading up to it, there's so much else going on. You're not really thinking about it too much. And then you get here yesterday, Saturday night, and, like, it starts to sink in. You start to kind of feel that atmosphere, and then today, like it's it's awesome all around here. You know, oh, place Fans are out everywhere. Yeah, time we, of the market. Is we packed. have been packed like,
5: since probably ten thirty.
1: Yeah, and, and I, you know, I was hearing like people were out at nine, like packing the streets. So yep. it's it's it's, an awesome, it's hard to get here and like not feel. Right. Like there's something special happening. You, you kind of get caught up in the moment once you're here.
2: How do you think the players approach it? Because, you know, we were talking to Mike Milbury, and he said, well, really, it should be an exhibition. It's it's kind of a gimmick, but it's a real game. There's points on the line. There's, you know, if you're a hot team, staying hot, blah, blah, blah. How, how do the players approach it? Do they treat it like it's a real, genuine game, or do they get caught up in some of the pomp and circumstance as well?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. They definitely – kind of reiterate that it's still a real game they emphasize all the things they have to do whether that's you know playing your game your opponent but also like dealing with the ice because no matter what the weather is you're never gonna have a great outdoor ice so it's you know keep it simple don't try to over stick handle don't try to get too fancy so all that stuff to try to win the game is still reiterated but there is also that element of appreciate it enjoy the atmosphere and the fact that it, it comes, you know, middle of the season and we're not, you're not in the home stretch yet, you're not, you know, jockeying for playoff position just yet, I think allows guys to, you know, to enjoy the moment a little bit and appreciate that and take a step back and kind of soak it all in, in addition to making sure they're prepared to play a game.
5: Our own Scott McLaughlin of WEEI.com here with us at Timeout Market getting ready for the uh, Winter Classic. Bruins have been on an amazing run. But what level of success in your opinion is sustainable?
1: Probably not quite as high as they've been. I mean, they're on pace to break the NHL record for points in a season. So, I don't know if they're going to do that, but they absolutely can sustainably be the best team. They're they're the deepest team in the NHL. Like no one else has Taylor Hall on the third line. You know, very few teams have a McAvoy and Lindholm on defense plus a Grizzly, Carlo, Forber, Clifton behind that. They have the best goaltending in the NHL. Obviously, Lena Selmark's been the biggest factor there, but Swayman has started to round into form recently as well. So, And they've had the best goaltending really by quite a margin. I think they have like a 928 team save percentage, and no one else is above 916, which is kind of a crazy gap. So like that might level off a little bit, but there's no reason that they can't be the best team in the East or the best team in the NHL and stay atop the standings all year and go into the playoffs as favorites.
2: So it's cup or bust.
1: It's definitely getting there, yeah. If, if we're not there already, it's it's certainly trending that direction. Do you
5: think they feel that way? Well,
1: yeah. Internally?
5: Because remember the beginning of the year, it was, well, last dance, we're going to put the band back together for, and it wasn't just to go to an East final.
1: Right, exactly, yeah. Bergeron isn't coming back for another season just to make the playoffs. <laughs> right. Crutchie isn't returning from czech republic uh you know just to hang out with the guys like they didn't take way below market value just for the heck of it like you know they did all that because they want to win one more one more stanley cup and doing all that put them in the best position to do it so you know i don't know if they're probably not quite ready to admit that but that's certainly the vibe and that has to be what they're thinking and when you know ultimately when they get there is you know get into the second round that's going to be a disappointment for this group but now obviously a couple key injuries change everything, and there's only so much you can do about that. But if they're healthy or close to it, then, yeah, they, absolutely. They they should be gunning for the cup and, and not settling for anything less. Do
5: you think Don Sweeney will be able to figure out ways to add to this team, or if it keeps rolling, do you want to tinker with it?
1: I think the most likely course of action is they add some depth. And you probably look on defense where right now their seventh defenseman is Jacob Zaborl, who hasn't played in over a month because – Knock on wood, they've stayed healthy on defense. Um, But they probably want a little bit more of a veteran presence as kind of that depth defenseman. They might look for a little depth up front. I don't think they have the means to really swing for, you know, I know people like to throw Patrick Kane, Jonathan (laughs) Taves. Good luck. Exactly. Like, one, they don't have the cap space. Two, they don't have the prospects. Like We're doing
2: radio. Stop it. (laughs) I
1: know. But so I, I don't think that's realistic. We'll, you know, we'll certainly have fun talking about it if right. those rumors can continue. But most likely, you're looking at depth, and that's really, you know, again, if they, if they stay healthy, that's really all you need. Like you don't, you're, you're running away with first place. Like what do you need a major shakeup for? You so know, we're talking
5: about like seventh defenseman, thirteenth forward, guys like that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Again, it, it, one injury changes it, but for the most part, that seems. Most likely, and I think there's a really good chance that that could be good enough. You know, if if you go out and swing for the fences just because, hey, we got to do something big. This is the last dance. Okay, well, what if that guy doesn't fit in with with your locker room, your culture, and now it's throwing things off? And you know, so there's also there's also a risk to that if you're really because they're gonna have to move salary out to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, that I means someone in the current roster is probably going out. So. You don't want to mess with that too much. You have a good thing going. You don't. The last thing Don Sweeney wants to do is screw it up.
2: So let's say this team doesn't screw it up. They win the cup. Is this going to be seen as Casey Jones, 86 Celtics, just roll the ball out there and let him go? Is that going to be Ooh. Jim Montgomery's story, just drop the puck and let the boys play? Or does he deserve credit for what's happening?
1: He deserves credit. Uh, I think the way they've gotten their defensemen more involved this year is – a legitimate testament to him, uh, the way that they use defensemen as kind of the extra guy in the rush, getting involved uh, more in the offensive zone. is something that, you know, when Bruce Cassidy was here, he would talk about wanting to do that, and when he came here with Vegas, he even kind of acknowledged, like, yeah, we always wanted to do that, we just could never quite get to it. Well, Jim Montgomery's gotten them to do it, and it's worked, and, you know, if you think back early in the season there was some sloppy defense in some of those games where they were given, you know, they gave up seven to Ottawa. Like that was kind of the, the breaking point. And you were like, oh, they just totally sacrificing defense. Well, they've gotten that cleaned up. They're now the number one defensive team in the NHL. So they've found that balance of, okay, yeah, we're going to go forward more. We're going to take some more chances, but we're not giving up on defense. And, you know, ultimately you're, you're going to need the defensive foundation. Uh, to win it all, and they've they found that over the last month or two.
5: Is there a team in the league that is close to the Bruins, in your opinion?
1: Well, you know, the crazy one is, it, it's probably the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, that's, <laughs> oh man, I that's, can't believe it. That's a team that's been rolling, they still have the high-end talent, and most importantly, they're playing defense and getting goaltending now, which has been Toronto's biggest downfall in the past, mm-hmm. and I know no one's ever going to trust them until they actually win a playoff series, and understandably so that's a huge monkey on that team's back but they've been playing really good hockey and uh, you know certainly have the pieces to make a deeper run than they've made in the past and if you're the Bruins you're probably looking at you know it's gonna most likely be them or Tampa in the second round and Tampa hasn't quite been the team that they were when they won back-to- back cups but, obviously, there's still a ton of championship pedigree there. There's still Andre Vasilevsky, so you can't count them out. And they'll so, manipulate
5: the cap, too, those tampers. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. of
1: course. Well, you know, the Bruins, by the way, have done quite the job manipulating the cap. They They're have. on their own this That's season, uh, using long-term injury reserve and That's okay. moving, moving guys up and down with waivers and everything. So.
2: Do business as business yeah. is being done, they like to say. You mentioned it earlier, the goaltending. Do you think uh, Allmark is capable of being – like, is he a franchise goaltender now? Is this – and did you see this coming?
1: He certainly – he's obviously playing like one right now, and I think he can be because even when he was in Buffalo, he had some really good kind of – the numbers that he could control, the stuff he could control was really good, like his high danger save percentage, things like that, that I think is what the Bruins saw when they signed him and said, yeah, this is the guy we want to get in here. It was just so hard for the results to be there because he was on such a bad team. It's like, okay, you can make a bunch of great saves and you're still going to give up four goals because that team just didn't play defense. Right. So I think they saw a lot of the elements that now you're seeing get pulled out because he's actually playing behind a good team. Uh, it was a risk. You know, he hadn't been a true number one. He hadn't really held up for an entire season. So... They took a chance, and it's definitely paying off. You know, he was he was good, not great last year, but obviously this year, I think he came into the year just more comfortable. He had been here a year, his family was settled in now, and uh, he just felt really comfortable and, and has taken off. And you know, like I said, it's given them the best goaltending in the league, and y- you still want Swayman to be there to balance it out, so you don't overwork Olmark. Like I said, he still hasn't had that true number one workload for an entire season. But the way he's playing is, is incredible. And, yeah, he, he can – I do think he can be a number one in, in, for a team in the playoffs. What
5: is the biggest need of improvement, let's say, in terms of this team? It's going great. Everything looks awesome. But even Mike Milbury said he was impressed that Jim Montgomery was calling guys with championship pedigrees to ask certain questions. So if he called you, Scott McLaughlin, and said – What's the one thing I should hone in on for this team? What would you tell them?
1: Well, I think their top two lines still really haven't gotten going in terms of five-on-five offense. They've been pretty quiet at times, and part of that is I think Brad Marchand still isn't quite feeling like himself. You know, he's been great on the power play and putting up a ton of points there. Still has room to grow five-on-five as he covers from double hip surgery during the offseason. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> David Krejci coming back from a year away, I think there's still times where it looks like he's not fully up to NHL speed again. So, you know, those are two key parts of your top two lines. And they're out there. They're not giving up goals. They're, they're playing fine, but they're not lighting the world on fire either. So that's one area where I think you get more from that, from those top two lines, five on five. It's crazy to think, like, there's room for this team to be better. But that's a pretty obvious one where it's like you can easily see that turning around, and and all of a sudden now they have a great 5-on-5 offense to go along with, you know, the third line, the power play, the team defense, the goaltending. It's like, holy cow.
2: So the team that usually plays at Fenway Park, uh, we were convinced by some that don't worry, Bogarts will be here, Bogarts will be here, Bogarts Mm, will be here.
5: Number one priority.
2: He isn't. David Pasternak we keep hearing numbers and he's going to be here and it's close is it close do you expect that to get done and what challenges is he going to face moving forward when some of his teammates age out and it's just left with him as the centerpiece of the franchise if he does resign for 88 million dollars
1: yeah I, I do expect it to get done at some point it's certainly odd and a bit concerning that it hasn't happened yet oh
5: boy I don't like that
1: but I'm blaming the loony
5: telling you they I, don't know what the cap is yet
1: yeah that's one factor. Is you know but they're not going to know that until after the season so like, you can't just wait on that no no matter what their future is better with passanark in it so you can't be too concerned about oh is the cap only going up 1 million or 3 million like either way he he has to be here right um so i think there's mutual interest he wants to stay that might be part of it honestly is they're saying like well you want to stay so like Why are we going to, you know, splurge and give you crazy money? And meanwhile, he's sitting there going, well, you have to sign me, so, you know, why should I budge? So there's a little bit of that staring contest going on. I think it will eventually get resolved. I think all smoke over the weekend, there's there's a reason for that. Like, I think something happened in terms of a breakthrough or, you know, someone moving their position a little. Um, So I think it'll get done. And as far as going forward, he will be one of the centerpieces, but remember, you also have Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm all, already locked up for eight more years. So it's really going to be the three of them and then a lot around them. The biggest question will obviously be who's the number one center of the future. They're going to have to go out and find that. You want, you know, your star to play next to Pasternak. <laughs> that's real
5: easy to do. Go yeah, find a number one center. Right. Right.
1: Well, you know, Bo Horvath in Vancouver is going to be a free agent after the year, and that's one name everyone kind of throws out. He's sort of in his prime, 27-28. So, but that's going to cost you huge money too. You know that's going to be another contract over ten million dollars uh, for probably eight, seven, eight years. So, oh man! Yeah. Can you
5: imagine the Bruins having two guys making over $10 mil a year? That's it's imp- yeah. I, I can't allow myself. It's okay.
2: To We're in Boston. That. You don't have to be like the Red Sox. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, again, I want big contracts with star players.
5: Again, with the with the Red Sox though, I think you're just operating under some different rules. Yeah, no like- cap. And that's yeah, the, no cap. That's a right. different rule. No
2: cap. But here, this makes no sense. What are we doing here?
5: Here, it's a little different. Quite honestly, I wonder, Scott, if at some point there would have to be a hard decision made—a goaltender. Because if you can't have an eleven million dollar wing who's got a ten million dollar center, then what do you do? A, you got to move salary, but B, you probably got to give up on someone you really like. And I wonder if the future of this roster is in some way tied into potentially jeremy swayman convincing people in the organization it's okay to ride to go with me i know he would get a pay bump next year but to have a goalie making five million and let's say he jumped up to two and a half that does not feel very boston bruin like
1: yeah it's, it's a fair point right now they have not just one of the best goaltending situations because of how elmark's playing but because of the salary like they have very little money tied up at the goalie position. I don't think and it's
5: even $6 million in total, no, right? Swayman's not, under yeah. a
1: mil. So you're right. Like Swayman is due for a little bit of a bump. Now how much of a bump that is is going to be determined by what he does the rest of the there season. There you go. You know, if he if he gets hot, he can say, hey, look, I played like a number one the second half of the season. If he kind of stays where he is now, it's, all right, let's find you know a bridge deal for kind of cheap money, which would kind of be best case scenario for the Bruins because then you keep those two locked up on pretty cheap money. Um, but to your point, if Swayman really does emerge as the guy that you want to be your number one, hey, Almart's value is never going to be higher than it is right now. Correct. But um, that's, you know, it's a good problem to have to have pieces that other teams are going to want. They they also, in addition to finding the number one center of the future, they're going to have a lot of spots to fill up front in particular. They have like mm-hmm. six or seven forwards they are going to be free agents after the season. So you're talking about half the forward core you're going to have to either re sign or replace. So that's. You know, yeah, they hit, they're going to have some cap space, but you start to run out of that pretty quick when you're signing six forwards.
5: Well, there you go. Uh, it's Scott McLaughlin, you can read him at weei.com, the leader of the hockey department. You know what just hit me? What?
2: Only in football we have guests, and then you say, so what do you think about the game? You got a score prediction? <laughs> in the three other sports, you have a guest talking about a game, and we never ask them to predict the game. Yeah. Who because... do you like today? What's the score?
1: 4-2 <laughs> Bruins. There you Ooh. go.
2: Razor went 5-3 Bruins.
1: Okay. And we didn't ask Millberry.
2: And we didn't ask Millberry. But isn't that weird? Like, football's the only sport. I know it's weekly and it's different. And well, it's that's like,
5: the thing. It's weekly. But he's
2: here to talk about a major well, game, and you were going to let him leave without asking it, him what
5: was going to happen in the game. It, it's also like uh, the NCAA tournament. You don't care about who. You don't ask anybody who's winning the game until there's one or two games left.
2: Well, I'm going to change that.
5: Oh, you're going to lead the I way. I want to ask every NCAA tournament guest
2: what their opening round matchups are.
5: I would. I would like to see <laughs> that. I would love to hear you talk college basketball. That would be amazing. Ed Cooley. Would. I watched
2: a little PC the other day. Butler. They're,
5: they're really good.
2: Yeah, they're very good.
5: I don't know. A PC, you, you follow college hockey PC, a little PC UConn yeah, this week, right? Yeah. yeah but uh, PC has been pretty good in hockey for a while. It oh, yeah. feels like they're down a little... But then again, Hockey East is always loaded. So yeah,
1: I mean, Nate Lehman's done an incredible job with that program, and it's it's why he was on. For he does an interview Radars. here, yeah, right? Like, yeah. didn't
5: he interview for the job here? I thought. Yeah,
1: and he's he, like he's been around the Bruins before. He was at their development camp one year, so yeah, there's some connections there. They've drafted a few PC players, so I know. Bruins think very highly of Nate Schneider Arena is a
5: really sneaky nice place in New England to catch a game. Good yeah. take. Uh, good hot dogs too. Oh. I'm interested. See, there we go. Hey, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Safe walk back up to uh, Fenway. Let's head back to Brighton. Here's Turp. He's ready to trend.
4: Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI.
5: Treading now on WEI and WEI.com. The Patriots defeated the Miami Dolphins 23-21 yesterday, keeping their playoff hopes alive. The Pats scored their seventh defensive touchdown of the season with Kyle Duggar pick six, which is the most in team history and the most by any team since the 2017 Jaguars. Now with the win over the Bills on Sunday, the Patriots will be heading to the playoffs for the second consecutive season. The Celtics had their four-game win streak snapped in last night's 123-111 loss to the Nuggets. There was a 35-minute delay in the fourth quarter of this one after a Robert Williams dunk bent the rim the Celtics are back in action tomorrow as they take on the Thunder and the Bruins host the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2023 winter classic from Fenway Park putt drop is set for two o'clock I'm Justin Turpin that's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com we'll continue from timeout market get back into the Patriots next
4: the exclusive home for Patriots Monday
5: and
1: Friday your
5: job
4: job job well Dynasty continues. WEI
0: WEI
4: Is the WEEI Classic broadcast live from Timeout Market with Gresh, Art, Raycroft, and Milbury on WEEI.
5: One twenty-eight from Timeout Market, right down the street from Fenway Park. We're being fed here at Timeout Market as well, which is fantastic. Yep, Andy Hart has had a uh, bowl of ice cream already. More food is on the way. Our guy Amon who is uh, chewing running, nonstop running twitch yeah yeah chewing nonstop well he also as a delivery person as well yeah, so
2: makes it nice you
5: know because he's <clears throat> working is he so you know he yeah. has a beer in his hand yeah he's well chewing. i did i did not see i saw a strawberry soda is what i saw yeah
2: yeah we'll go with that yeah yeah apple juice
5: apple oh <laughs> there you go apple juice uh, uh, nice head of foam on it yeah it was the glass
2: was a little dirty it happens
5: <laughs> <laughs> our guy amen running the uh, twitch today for those of you watching us uh, twitch.tv slash boston weei that's where uh, you can catch all the shows here on weei on twitch and well we talked to matt judon earlier we talked to hunter henry earlier today the patriots Got a victory yesterday over Miami, 23-21. to 21. And, uh, Hart, one of the things that you and I have not been able to do is sort of uh, peel through the AFC landscape at this point. Can I ask you this just as an aside? And I don't listen. Are the Patriots a great team this year? Nope. No one's going to sit here and tell you otherwise. But the New York Jets are guaranteed to finish behind the Patriots in what is being termed, at least around here, or position, as a bit of a disaster of a season. What does that say about the old Jetropolitans down there? That they even in a year where the Patriots arguably took a 12-gauge shotgun and Bill Belichick looked at his foot and said, I'm going to blow it off by putting this guy, Matt Patrician, is my offensive coordinator, and the Jets still can't beat him?
2: That means they have a bad quarterback, or they had a bad quarterback at the time in Zach Wilson. They had a regrettable number two overall pick in Zach Wilson, and, the, yeah. and regrettable to the point where he makes. And we we talked about this earlier. The game losing mistakes that yep. Mac was making early in the year that Mac is no longer making. He's still taking sacks. He's still missing throws, but you're not having the game losing. Mistakes. You, talk, not, you
5: and I talked about it at the beginning. Bill Belichick theory is proving out this year. Absolutely. Let the other team screw it up, and you'll win games.
2: I'm going to make a prediction.
5: Oh, boy. Let's uh, mark the tape, please.
2: Mac Jones will throw multiple interceptions this week. You know why?
5: Because you think they're going to have to turn him loose and throw into coverage.
2: Because whether it's before or after the scoreboard starts clicking, he knows he's going into a game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They can score points, and then there's a good chance he'll be chasing. He'll be down 7-10, but even before then, I think his mindset may be different. Mm -hmm. I think he entered the season, and I think they as an offense entered the season with a mindset of the new offense was 50-50 balls, playmaking balls, down the field. I think they were trying to become more of a competitive AFC contender offensively. And then it blew up. They were throwing picks. It was a disaster. Then Zappy and Mack and all these things fell out. I think this is the game they were doing that for. The last se- The last game of the season, we know we have to go face Josh Allen and the Bills in Buffalo. I think Mac is going to have to throw the ball. He's probably going to throw picks. Now he may also make plays. You may also get Tyquan Thornton down the field. He gave right. him a chance to go make a right. play. Maybe the tight maybe.
5: ends will be a Devontae Parker.
2: Maybe he's back in the lineup, coming off the concussion. Maybe oh. he's throwing down the field to him and makes plays. But
5: forget about Devontae Parker. Maybe coming back. Uh,
2: and I think Mac is smart enough to do that. I think he's smart enough to say, "I'm facing Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Ellinger or insert name of backup quarterback here. Don't be an idiot today." Right, Like, don't try to make a play at the cost of giving up a turnover. Whereas this game, he's also smart enough to know. Josh Allen's on the other side of the field. I know our defense is good, but it's not fair of me to expect them to hold him to... 17 points and score seven on their own very true. i got a score today i'm gonna have to take more chances today
5: all right so a couple of things that are in play here number one tonight final game of week 17 in the nfl is a good one between the bills and the bengals all right let's say the bills win okay and they're even with kansas city yep now kansas city plays the raiders in the early game on saturday surprised me a little bit you thought, that, you thought they would string it out a little?
2: Well, string it out, but doesn't that open the opportunity if there's a, an upset with the Chiefs that it affects the way the Bills approach their game? That's and small, I thought we were avoiding that. That's whole
5: point of bringing it up. Right,
2: and I, and I thought the NFL was trying to avoid that. They were trying to keep well, as much level playing field, teams fighting to the finish as possible, and then they, they went against that rule and just said, hey, Chiefs, you play your game, so you let the Bills know exactly what you're doing.
5: Well, I, I think... There are more moving pieces in the NFC, which is maybe why this Chiefs game gobbled up a 4.30 Saturday spot. Because I hear what you're saying.
2: Yeah, there's no question. I'm looking at this from a New England perspective. From a, from a, and, and from I have a, absolutely no idea how many ramification games there are and how hard it probably is to try to schedule all those over two days without having someone kind of given an advantage.
5: Well, I'm looking at at the standings overall, and you have Miami as the eight seed. Pittsburgh is now the nine seed. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh's in it. So Pittsburgh. Mike is, Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons, remember? Well, he's going to have one. Are you sure? Yeah.
2: You're you're sure he's losing to the Browns? Yeah. Oh wow, you seem a little bit overconfident.
5: I uh, yeah. Well, I just know the the Steelers aren't great, and the this, Browns aren't either. But this isn't a version that they played before, like. You can start to see Deshaun Watson rounding into shape a little bit. I thought he played pretty well yesterday, given what's going on around him. But in the NFC, you have Seattle, Detroit, Green Bay, and Washington at 7-8-1 with their goofy tie. They might have the ability to kind of get in there as well. Actually, I don't know. Now that I think of it, they might have been eliminated. No,
2: Washington, I believe, has been eliminated. So
5: they, they got punted. Yeah. All right. And
2: their coach didn't know so it. So you
5: got three and three it's here. unfortunate for him. So next week in terms of the, well, interesting, uh, depending on what happens tonight, so if the Bengals lose to the Bills, then on Sunday you have four-division title Bengals-Ravens. Now Again, I could be wrong on that. Let me go to the standings no, here believe- real quick. No, I uh, Cincinnati has not clinched the division yet. No. So they're playoff teams. So you would have on Saturday for a division title, Jacksonville, Tennessee. That's the second game on Saturday. Right.
2: That is a stand-alone, like that's an obvious you win and you Doesn't win the division title. Doesn't affect anybody else. Now, right.
5: if Jacksonville loses, I believe they enter the mix. Correct. Right. They are then in the 8-9 and nine mix and you get into the tiebreakers. Yeah, so there It is would be that. really
2: nice if... It's a nine-win, seven-seed.
5: Yep. Even
2: though I don't think these teams are good, they're not true playoff teams or contenders or whatever you want to call it, I just always think it's a little bit of a black eye in any of these sports. You see it in high school football around here when they start the playoffs and you have like a three-and-five team playing. Like, it just always looks better if your playoff teams have winning records. Not sure. Even the bowl games. You know, Dave, what do you have to win, six games now, I think, to get in?
5: Six, and then every five years you can get an exemption based on, I think, graduation rate Okay, but have it, five wins and get in. I
2: would like to see winning records. Right. If you sell me that it's a playoff game, a bowl game, it's supposed to be the best of the best, it would benefit the NFL if these are nine-win teams.
5: So in terms of just just games that have playoff stakes next week, you have Lions-Packers head-to-head. Yes. You, and uh, Packers, by the way? Kind of rolling. Uh, yeah. Well, they figured it out with a the young wide receiver. Yeah.
2: S- and they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Think whatever you want, and maybe his thumb is getting better that he was playing through that thumb injury. And but,
5: he's a dink and all that. But their
2: defense is making
5: plays. Well, like, that's a the thing. They
2: look like a late-season dangerous team to me.
5: Yeah, because Minnesota does not.
2: No, no. They're the opposite of a late-season. They are a one-and-done team. They're
5: the three-seed now. Yeah. They've actually...
2: One-and-done.
5: Yep. They're uh, they're going to draw a... Uh, they'll probably draw the Giants, quite honestly, the way it's looking.
2: I'll take the Giants.
5: So you have Lions Packers. You have Jets Dolphins. You have Brown Steelers. Rams, Seahawks. Now, the Rams have have, nothing, but the Seahawks have some skin in the game. And then, of course, there's the Eagles in terms of seeding, you know, but that's really not a major factor.
2: No, the major issue for the Eagles is what exactly is going on with your quarterback who's an MVP candidate?
5: Well, I'll tell you. Because
2: I know uh, Fitzy loves him some Gardner Minshew, but you're not making a Super Bowl run with the. What is it the Mississippi mud flapper uh,
5: yeah uh, the uh, Kentucky waterfall is what I like to go with but nevertheless <laughs> it's all the same uh, so right now there are only three spots that are well four spots that are hold on three spots that are open one is the who's going to win the division Tennessee or Jacksonville and then the if Tennessee loses they're seven and ten so they're not a factor but if Jacksonville loses and they're eight and nine. They're a factor to maybe get in, depending on what happens with Miami and Pittsburgh and New England. So you have that mess. And then it's who's going to be the final playoff team. Detroit and Green Bay play head to head. Seattle right now has the seventh seed. They play the Rams. Washington's been eliminated. New Orleans is too far out of it. So in all honesty, the intrigue is really who will be the seven seeds? And there's about five games tied into that. And then you have two divisions that will be decided. That is unless Cincinnati beats Buffalo and then does New England a favor, and then we start to get into all the different machinations of Kansas City, Buffalo, who owns tiebreakers, maybe the Patriots get lucky, and Buffalo says, well, we are got to sit everybody because we got to play next week. Like, this game tonight for Buffalo is massive.
2: Well, and I think it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of people were assuming Buffalo could sit people because they secured the number one seed. I don't think they're the type of team to do that. If they already have a bye week, I think they're under Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. They're a play. Kind
5: they will of team. do what I would call specialized rest. Whereas some would say, oh, Josh Allen's great. I need to sit him down. No. But if they're right tackle, like it wasn't Quisenberry at one point playing on one leg against New right, England. Right. Those are the kinds of guys that'll get sat But if, you're if right. If they,
2: if they are playing and they are locked into a game, which right. I, I know I had ice cream, but I don't want to get into an ice cream headache thing right now. Uh, but if they're locked into a game, yep, that might be a better opportunity for them to play it differently if they have to play the following week. That's how Belichick has often well, done it over the years.
5: As I'm looking at it right now, if Cincinnati beats Buffalo, that gives Cincinnati the head-to-head. And then it pushes Buffalo to the three seed. So Buffalo, if they don't win tonight, It's not out of the realm of possibilities. The Kansas City could be the one. Cincinnati would be the number two, and Buffalo would be the three seed. And then that puts you with a uh, a three-six game. You get a three-six game where it stands right now. It would be Buffalo Baltimore. Ooh. Instead of you know the well the four-five is pretty much locked. It's going to be the winner of Jacksonville, Tennessee against the Chargers most likely. Right. Unless Baltimore ends up winning, but then again, since he loses tonight and Baltimore beats them last week of the season, since he could be the five seed or the 6th seed and push the Chargers down. Basically, if you're New England, you know you're playing the 2 seed. The question is going to be... If you win. If you win, is it going to be Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati? And <laughs> does it matter. All three of those teams are in play. I do think it matters.
2: Who, um, who, who do you think they are most likely to beat as the 2 seed?
5: It would be... Cin- At... It would be Cincinnati. I think. Since, I think the way they played against Cincinnati, they gave them trouble. And again, there was not in the, the first hole. half. No, but in the fumble in the end. And you're right. But that's why they play sixty minutes. And this defense. I'm not is, sure the
2: Bengals played sixty minutes. And
5: this defense is kind of rounding into shape a little bit. Look, I don't think the Bengals are great. I, 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 I thought, think they can be. I think they, they still have questions. I think the Bills have the offense. same
2: questions to answer. The, the, the least desirable matchup for me
5: is Kansas is City. Is that Kansas City? I'm with you, 100%. They do what they do. The it's, Patriots can't beat Kansas City.
2: It's a tough stadium environment. And I environment, a lot. And I also just don't like the idea of can they all be great offensively? Yeah, they all have great quarterbacks. They all have potential to make right, plays. Right. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are on a different level. They're knocking on the door, not wins-wise. I don't want Patriots fans to get all, you know, defensive. But they're knocking on the door of being that consistent Brady-Belichick. You assume they're going to the AFC title game. Yep. You assume if they're down two scores, they won't be down two scores for long. Like, you assume everything. Whereas, if the Bengals go down two scores, I don't assume they're coming back. They can. They've done it. Right. But I don't assume. I don't think Mahomes and Andy Reid are dead until you put the final bullet in their, their carcass and kick them to the office.
5: That's why I was not of the group that was, oh, they've lost Tyreek Hill. Kansas City's going to fall apart. No. Right. Some, some of the and, and I put it out on Twitter last night, the whole Tyreek Hill point, and, well, the quarterback from Miami and Kansas City isn't as explosive. Here's what I was told. I was told that Tyreek Hill's a difference maker, and I see... No difference in the Kansas City record, and I see no difference in the Miami record.
2: Because you're seeing that the true difference makers are the quarterbacks. It's cliche, it's simple, it is what it is. I mean, he's, he's already thrown for 5,000 yards. He's having a Patrick Mahomes season because, as Robert Kraft said, you need the coach and you need the quarterback in this league. Everything else you figure out, whatever, you don't figure out. But if you don't have those two things and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the measuring stick right now right and, am, am and, i wrong like, that like that duo need, is the measuring stick
5: and you need patriots.com you as do.
2: well weei.com is great too that
5: is true no but <laughs> seriously i'm i'm with you like to me Kansas City is still the best team in the AFC until proven oh, otherwise. Prove otherwise and every year
2: next year i'll think the same thing Agreed. as long as they have as long as Reid doesn't retire in this offseason and Mahomes is back they start with a certain expectation that we lived around here for a long time I'm, it's unfair but you created that expectation with how good you've been.
5: And I'll tell you what, the NFC feels wide open again.
2: Yeah, that's why I think the Packers are dangerous. Even though it's weird because the Packers at 13-3, and three, gag. Now it's all of a sudden the Packers getting hot late in the year as a wild card feel more dangerous
5: what idiots in san francisco they gave up three first round picks and they're 12 and 4 with a third string quarterback pretty good what a bunch of dopes well they didn't think it was a guy decision at the time for a guy who they didn't even know if they could if he could play a running back
2: yeah they drafted a A running running back back. A, a developmental project running back and
5: congratulations to justin fields who had another amazing run i don't
2: care for the sarcasm
5: uh Well, he has a great run in every <laughs> loss. How about that? He has a good I love the stat line. Uh, Justin Fields only X amount of yards away from setting an NFL record for rushing with a quarterback. How about the rest of him? Oh, he threw for 75 yards on a fumble and an interception. But it's everybody around him, you see. Well, he he you does know. have terrible receivers. He's also not good at the position. Well, but he, he's a great athlete. Will he be a great quarterback? I I don't don't think so. We'll find out. You know why? Is Lamar a great quarterback? Well, because guys like that rely on talent, and ultimately they hit a ceiling. And that's what I worry about for – I will always go back to, and I'll pound this until the end of the pavement. What Andy Reid did with Donovan McNabb is what you have to do to some of these guys that can make these unbelievable plays, but they have to learn to play from the pocket. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you can have the great runs – but it doesn't consistently lead to winning. It leads to flashy plays and you flip the field, but it's the other parts of Justin Fields' game that have not come along. Now, you could argue that maybe his, you know, growth was stunted last year, but then again, we have a lot of people around here who see the flashy run and be like, oh, that's the guy we need, forgetting the fact that they're three and nine and are about to take a left tackle with the number two overall pick.
2: I'll just say this. I would love to see... Justin Fields go down the Josh Allen road, give him Brian Dable-like leadership in coaching, and then give him a veteran so playmaking give, give receiver. So give him four
5: years of consistency yeah.
2: with the right people. The right coach, and then give him a weapon. Mm. Now, and then if he fails, but, like, that has been proven that that works pretty well. Like, stable coaching. He's got David Montgomery. And, a pl-
5: and Nikhil Harry. Yeah, Nikhil Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I couldn't help myself.
2: Justin Fields should ask him to leave. Just go. <laughs>
5: Well, they need good blocking on the outside. That's true. That's true. To be able to rip these runs. That's true. Uh, All right, we will bring it home from Time Out Market right down the street from Fenway Park next.
4: The Dynasty continues. The exclusive home for Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEEI. Boston's Sports Original. This is the WEEI Classic Broadcast. Live from Timeout Market on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go.
5: Time for You Got Something, sponsored by Unified Office. If you run restaurants and are worried that people are going to be on hold too long, you're going to lose orders. Tap into our friends at Unified Office. So uh, we got a lot of people to thank here. at uh, The folks at Time Out Market take care of us so well. Mm. We cannot thank the whole group here at Time Out Market enough. Plenty of food, plenty of drinks. Uh, We have been more than taken care of here. From our friends at uh, Timeout Market, uh, Hart. When is the uh, next time you are uh, on this radio station? Considering you've done pretty much every show the last ten days.
2: Uh, yeah, that's accurate, and it's long, m- longer than ten days. Uh, the vocal cords are wearing thin. Now, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, I will be a member uh, joining Rich Keith, oh, the inaugural, yes. the first ever, Rich. Keith show the virgin
5: excursion begins yes. at six o'clock and you're going to be a part of it
2: yeah he uh he's going to have his own first hour because i have to do a little television first and then i'll be joining oh, him in the seven o'clock hour toody. yes but yes i will be and i believe that's going to become a regular thing tuesdays and thursdays i'll be joining rich Keith on his program that i'm is looking forward to it
5: excellent there's uh, a little bit of me no offense to you totally fine
2: that is intrigued hard to, to see where Rich Keith goes with his own show in terms of energy and hijinks and conspiracies.
5: I, I told him to create the cult of Keith; those who would follow him. But he was like, "No cult is a bad word." I'm like, "But you're the leader." Have to be, right? Doesn't have to be. It's exact. It's spelled with a K, just like Keith. Whatever. But, no, I'm looking forward to uh, doing
2: shows in the evening with Rich Keefe, and I think he's going to have a a lot of fun with that program.
5: Uh, And, of course, tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m., it is uh, the inaugural edition of Gresh and Fourier. Speaking of fun. I have uh, only had uh, (laughs) very limited interaction with Christian. And, no, we got uh, Turp, who, of course, is back at uh, WEEI Command Central. He's going to be a part of it. We think. For a period of time Really no <laughs> Things are Just kind of up in the air Sometimes you just gotta
2: roll with it That's Remember- right Milbury was talking about hockey. It's just sort of fluid. You got to be athletes. That's be creative true. with the puck. Score goals. You
5: got to be uh, be an athlete. You got to be adaptable. For apparently, sakes,
2: be an athlete.
5: Uh, so good job by everyone. First of all, uh, our buddies, Andrew Raycroft and uh, Mike Milbury dropping the hockey knowledge on us. Scott McLaughlin at WEEI.com as well. Uh, Doug Lane set all this up, but Griff, our guy here, is really the guy who uh, kept us on air. But well, we thank Doug Lane as well, of course. And we just probably uh, ticked him off by not good. saying that he's Actually, not one. good.
2: He's a saint. The man brought me an eggnog donut. He's uh, a saint.
5: Oh, so he sucked up to you with an eggnog donut. Oh, I'm there easy. You go. Oh, I'm
2: easy. You feed me. I'm happy.
5: Uh, Turf back at uh, Command Central. Ken Laird, our guy Eamon as well. Fitzy and Kyrie are coming up next from Gillette Stadium, where they will talk with Mac Jones. Fourier and I will see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Enjoy the rest of your observant holiday, everyone.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.